Hello, everybody. You're listening to episode 14 of 8-Minute Movies Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in 8-Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. It is the penultimate episode. Ooh. Ooh, hello. And with a certain finality to it, how are you doing, Peter? Well, you know, I'm doing all right. I've... Uh... I've been having a little bit of a relaxing week, to be honest. I'm very chilled out, and my my sleeping schedule is just all over the map. That's uh, that's the best kind of week, I find. Mm. Yeah, I don't know which way is up or down or day or night. Time has become meaningless, and <laughs> I am just a puddle of relaxation. <laughs> Good. Well, I look forward to that stopping and uh, you being stressed again. Um, <laughs> Very soon now. How are you? Oh, that's that's fine. I was just going to let the let the pause go on until it was fairly obvious it was your turn to speak. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. I've heard a lot about this exciting new sci-fi thriller, the Omicron variant. I uh, I don't know who's starring <laughs> in it, but I am. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, that joke's probably fine by the time this comes out now. Yeah. <laughs> to see, before uh, we were recording quite a long time in advance, and uh, and, uh, and we, we ran out the buffer, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we don't know whether that ages. Uh, we don't know whether any joke ages very poorly. But this one, <laughs> you know, this is just a couple of weeks ago, probably. So it's probably fine there. Oh God, I hope we're all still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as I was saying to you in, uh, the, uh, I think we're calling it the green room now. Yeah, yeah, that name seems to have stuck. Um, uh, it, it's nice that they named it like the one that's all going to kill us. <laughs> I um, I, it really sounds like a seventies a seventies spy thriller to me. I, like if if the Omicron variant starred Robert Vaughn, I'd be mm. all over that. I would definitely definitely be watching it. Yep. The, the latest for the Andromeda Strain remake. So what have you been up to? Do you want to mix it up and go first uh, in a completely different trend from every episode we've ever done? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, we're, we're not afraid to um, do terrible, stupid things with the format here. Yeah, the penultimate episode. <laughs> uh, I have been playing a videoed game. Ooh, which one? Uh, Halo Infinite. Ah, yes. I wasn't going to install it yet, but I mm. have done. But how, go on, how are you finding it? Um, it is quite good. I, I quite like it. Um, I think I may be too old to be playing um, Twitch shooter video oh. games against um, <laughs> online. But, but then... <laughs> <laughs> I like Jesus Christ. I used to be good at this shit. <laughs> Then I then I stopped doing it for a decade, and now I'm not good at it anymore. <laughs> mm, yeah, I have come to realize I'm not very good at shooters anymore. There was a time when I was all right at them, but that time was Quake. <laughs> that, that, that time was when... In order to get mouse look working, you actually had to open up the console and type <laughs> plus M look uh, in order to look around with the mouse because that wasn't just a built-in uh, feature of the options menu in that game. Oh god, it feels bad to be admitting this, but probably the best the shooter I was best at was Duke Nukem 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, oh God. Um, well, no, actually, I, I tell a lie. It was probably one of the Halos. I used to play them obsessively a lot. Um, my favorite thing to do for a long time was come up with in- increasingly Baroque multiplayer game modes for Halo. <laughs> like, um, everyone has a sniper rifle, but everyone's invisible all the time as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember playing a few rounds with you where we just had the, the sword. Oh, yes, only yeah. swords. Um, I think Halo 3 had the best customization options where you could do stuff like turn the gravity way down and the speed <laughs> the player moved way up and then give everyone pinpoint precision weapons. And uh, it was absolutely impossible <laughs> to score it on everyone because it's like you're stuck on a fucking ice rink. <laughs> yeah, so I, I also played a very little bit of this and... After a bit, I realized, oh, I'm just going to make myself a bit sad if I play this more. Maybe <laughs> I'll just wait until the, the campaign comes out and play against um, computers. Who can. No, no, no. The, the, the ticket is um, is the bots. You can choose to play against bots. And oh, my God, it's great. It's The bots are like dumb humans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's what I did in Quake a lot of the time as well. <laughs> but I was also okay against people sometimes. I did all right. Mm. There's there's some there's some kerfuffle at the moment about um the level scaling as well, because um when you complete a round in Halo Infinite, you get a, a pittance of experience. Oh, yeah, no, uh, like I... a, a tiny the tiniest nugget of experience. I, I've played it quite a lot. And I'm level three. <laughs> well, I I played it for a uh, a couple of hours and just didn't even get a level, which is very. <laughs> uh, it, it felt like a very miserly sort of reward structure for that. Yeah, <laughs> you have to w- wait a day for your dopamine hit on getting <laughs> the number to go up. In- interestingly, in more than one case, I found people in matchmaking who are clearly not playing the game they've just left the game logged in in matchmaking so that it can like because you get you get experience for participating in matches regardless of whether you do anything in them so yeah, you just that's... get lumbered with a useless person who's not doing anything who isn't even physically there <laughs> that's probably a clue that something needs tweaking there yeah that, that, i think that i think they've said that they've they're going to rebalance that <laughs> yeah I, w- I would recommend by a lot if anyone's listening <laughs> <laughs> i'm um i'm i'm really looking forward to the single player campaign because that's always been the halo thing for me although yeah I I love Halo quite a lot. It's it's one of my formative games. I loved it bits. Played it a million times. Played any game which came out which also had Halo in the title. Um, mm. And uh, much as I like Bungie and three three four three, who've replaced them, like story is fucking bananas. <laughs> um, like it, uh, oh, it continuously goes places, right? And you're just like. The plot of Halo, right, is like um, there is a war between humans and aliens, and they find this um, ancient artifact, this uh, ring built by the Forerunner. Mm. And um, if you turn it on, it kills all life in the galaxy, right? Um, Because they they built it to defeat uh, another alien force who were taking them over called the Flood. Yes. So, so I can explain the plot of Halo to you in like two or three sentences, 
by the time it reaches Halo 5, you need like a fucking novel. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I never I never got past three, um, <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly where that goes. But I've also realised I don't want to know. I don't particularly <laughs> want to go through all all four and five, especially because I've heard that they're they're not even as good as as the no, uh, I, one to three. I love I I enjoy the lore. I love everything about them. It's just the like there's so much, and the story is just. Mm. Nonsense, <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much of it. Um, like, um, uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to have to know who Born Stella makes eternal lasting is. Um, but I do. <laughs> it was uh, you who actually introduced me to the concept of um, Halo being a good game. Oh, uh, because good. yeah, because I always kind of thought of it as this just weird little game that Microsoft made that didn't really take off because I didn't it have was, an Xbox. It was huge at the time, Peter. Well, I, didn't, I didn't have an Xbox and, uh. Uh, and uh, I d- it kind of got, I, I felt like it had a fairly lukewarm reception. Yeah, it's a shooter. It's fine. Um, and, it was only after looking into it and playing it, and you you got me to play it years and years ago, that I realised, oh, loads of people are really into this, and it yes. just kind of passed me by. Yes, mi- millions, millions of people mm. are into. It. Yeah, I, I don't know why that was because it, <laughs> uh, it it just it was a complete blind spot for me. I'd, I remember hearing of it as just oh, it's that that Microsoft shooter, um, but. I, I never realized that it would it actually got a, a following until you introduced it to me. Oh, I'm I'm glad to have gotten the hooks in you. Mm. Um so, so yeah, like I really enjoyed the plot of the first one, uh, and the campaign. It's great fun. And same with the second one and the third one, it's yeah, it, it's not that much fun. Like I, I've recently replayed all of them. I'm just I've just started Halo 4. Um, cause they're, they're all available as part of the master chief collection, um, on steam and other game platform. I don't know why I'm explaining where to find it, you know, <laughs> to find games. Um, but yeah, like, like I, and I remember thinking this at the time, the first one is great. The second one is also great. The third one the story and the, co- the campaign just kind of drags. It's just not that much fun. And there's lots of like annoying bits in it. I'm like, well. That's a shame, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And four, four and five are so forgettable. I genuinely, I played them both, and I genuinely can't remember anything that happens in them. Right, except uh, that somebody uses the phrase "erdidact." I mean, I'm already <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I, I, what makes me realize that, that I'm probably not going to play these games <laughs> is that I'm not even curious about what that is. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to know. I don't care. Um, listeners, I, listeners, if you can sum up the plot of Halo in fifty words or less, <laughs> I like Halo just fine, but I don't think I care about it enough to go back to those games. But this one, this new one, is a bit different in the way it's structured. It's more kind of open world. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I find that interesting on a world that's 
a ring. I mm. think that's a that's a really interesting setting for that uh, that kind of game, and I'm curious to get stuck into that that style of thing. See see how they do that. I look forward to driving all the way around the inside of the Halo. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite bugs in the original Halo was um, right at the start of the game, you can see Halo through the bridge of the Pillar of Autumn, and there's a glitch you can exploit which pushes you out through the wall, and um, you can walk all the, way right, all the way right up to Halo. But obviously, it's just a tiny, like a tiny model. So you can walk right up to it, and it's just this tiny little ring rotating in front of you. <laughs> oh dear um yeah you do you, do you, I, I was gonna move on but then i remembered that we we switched it around you what have you been up to well i've been up to oh a couple of things i've uh i'll briefly mention a game i've been playing called uh xo1 have you heard of xo1 um nope no, it's uh, it's on uh, it's on Game Pass and presumably people, other things as well. People know where to find games. We don't have to do that. Um, and it's a, a fairly short game, probably a, a couple of hours long. Uh, it's it's got a story, although it's delivered in a weird, disjointed sort of way. So it's, uh, but I think basically what's going on during it is that you have found like plans for an alien probe that mm. that gets built um in a, in a kind of contact style <laughs> um and oh you, don't make me think about contact <laughs> and in this uh, game you are drive you are piloting this probe and the way that it controls um you're piloting it through these different environments and uh, one of your trigger buttons makes its gravity just go very high so it drops down really fast and mm. uh, uh, and the other button kind of flattens it out this this orb and turns it into a kind more of a kind of glider configuration and it's about kind of managing that in in order to kind of fly this thing around um it's it's a weird but interesting kind of control scheme. Very satisfying when you get when you manage to do kind of huge leaps with it and things. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's just kind of pretty, and not very much happens in it. There's not no action or anything like that. You're just exploring these different environments and working out how to navigate through them. Right, and uh, and it's it doesn't outstay its welcome it's just hmm. kind of uh, k- kind of a, a pleasant thing if you just want a a game that's kind of atmospheric a, a little bit but not too creepy in some ways and just mostly just chilled out uh, I, I i can recommend xo1 lo-fi beats to chill to yeah it is a bit oh, it sounds a bit quite, it sounds quite good actually i i um I, I like the sounds of it. I, I like sort of uh, creepy games where you don't a hundred percent know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of Duskers here. Um, I, uh, I I do enjoy a game of Duskers. I have not played Duskers. I'm fairly certain you have. <laughs> have I? Yes. Uh, uh, let me look it up. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll wait while you go and refresh your memory. <laughs> We're leaving this in. <laughs> Duskers. No, I have not. 
Really? Oh, actually, hmm. this is this is great listening audio. <laughs> oh, I think I literally have played it once. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, but it's uh, uh, it's it's like a roguelike where you explore um, abandoned spaceships. Yeah, no, I've played I, I played it once. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. I haven't played it as much as I'd like to because I'm just fucking atrocious at roguelikes. But um, but it's a <laughs> It, it it is it is good fun. Um, do you remember? Do you remember we accidentally almost made it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, we do that a lot uh, because we've got uh, now a backlog of ten years or so worth of ideas that we're going to make. Uh, inevitably, what happens is just someone else makes it. Yeah, someone makes it, and then we don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, it's just very convenient. <laughs> like we, we should we should send them like a you know a fruit basket or something. <laughs> Thank you for making the game we were we were going to get around to, but never quite found the time. It really just goes to show that ideas aren't aren't the thing. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideas are ten a penny. It's it's actually yeah. doing the thing that's hard. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing I've been uh, been catching up on is the new uh, the the new Peter Jackson Beatles documentary thing that's been coming out on disney plus oh i know i know nothing of this well um back in the um uh uh, back in the day uh when it was close to um the the end times for the beatles things were fraying and kind of falling apart a little they were that they decided that they would film them making and and then performing an album live right and uh they did that um sort of it went a bit wrong and they never quite got all of the songs down but in the process and they did release a film of it uh, eventually um but in the process they filmed like 60 hours of them <laughs> in the studio uh and uh, and stuff and so after all this time, Peter Jackson has just decided to go through all of this footage, a lot, a lot of which is, has never been seen before, just hasn't been public before, and edit together a a three-part, uh, and when uh, when I say three-part, I mean three parts, each of which are like two to three hours long. <laughs> um, uh, doc documentary has been... Has been uh, getting released each day uh this is the final day today so Ooh. um at, at time of recording the, the third and final episode is uh, is getting released you might have heard about that one time that the beatles did a big uh, big concert up on a roof in london oh, i had heard of that yes well it, this was this was the kind of these were the sessions leading up to that rooftop performance uh-huh. which I, I by the way yesterday i found out that i walked past that rooftop basically every day for about two years <laughs> uh, w- without even knowing it on, on my way home from work it's um, it, it's weird it's weird when you find yourself in the vicinity of somewhere that you you knew was famous or something occurred there and you're just completely oblivious to it yeah. i um um <laughs> One time when I was in LA, I I walked past the alleyway where they filmed the infamous alleyway fight from They Live, 
And oh boy, if I'd have known, I would have taken 10,000 fucking selfies down there. Um. <laughs> yeah, like if I'd known I'd been walking past this place, I would have had like maybe a bit of a proper look. Yeah, know, but... yeah, yeah. So just goes yeah. to show that, that there's stuff all around us and ultimately none of your dreams will be fulfilled. Good night, listeners. Oh yeah, that went a that went a bit dark. Um, keep it light. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the the way that this this documentary has been done, it's really. I don't know whether people who aren't into the Beatles would get a whole lot out of it because it's really kind of slow paced. That the way that he's done it is just let all of the conversations happen in it, and there's not. Mm. It, it, it obviously is edited very much so because there's like 60 hours of stuff that's been condensed into six or seven hours or something like that. But, um, but it feels like it's not edited in a way because uh, there's just a lot of really long takes of conversations that are just kind of allowed to happen. It's really, feels Mm. really kind of interesting and intimate. Uh, and, uh, the 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 big thing about it is that it was it's always had this reputation of this time where everything was kind of going wrong with the band and there were a lot of arguments happening and it wasn't very fun environment to be um recording songs yeah. uh, and and there's a bit of that in in the documentary but what you, what what you realize is that actually a lot of it was fine as well a lot of it everything was working and they were having a good time and laughing and uh, and having fun and that that's kind of nice for people who have been fans of the Be- uh, the beatles because it kind of recontextualized the, this kind of quite famous moment in their in their history as this thing that actually it wasn't all bad they they had quite a lot of fun during this time yeah, it's it's difficult to understand anything when you're viewing it from the outside, especially if it happened a long time ago. So I can see how this is quite a useful tool. Yeah, it's it's really uh, uh, I've really quite enjoyed it. But yeah, as I say, I I, I don't know it's going to do it for anyone who isn't interested in this from the uh, the outset. It's not it's not your entry point into the into the Beatles or whatever. Yeah, so um, so uh, lengthy three-part Peter Jackson movie series. Are you going to go with The Beatles or Lord of the Rings? It's very long, yeah. No, this is his Lord of the Rings, I was going to say, <laughs> and you've ruined my joke. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just say it anyway, and I, I, maybe maybe I'll cut my thing out? Um, yeah, I really think that, you know, this is, they're long, they're long episodes, um, yeah, you know, a couple of hours each. I, I really think this is his, um, you know, this is Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, I think. Yeah, that's that's how I was going to do it. It's, it's going to be very funny. Sorry, I left a pause in there for the listeners to laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd feel bad, but um, I'm not convinced you have real emotions. Yeah, um, he, he doesn't know how to make a short thing, I suppose. <laughs> that's true. That but, is quite but, true. Like, also, as I say, though, it is kind of nice that he gives these. He doesn't. E- edit them you you kind of get a bit lost in it it's a, it it's a bit cliche but it is a bit like you're in the room with yeah. them but just sort of hanging out it's it's kind of it it's i've never quite seen 
uh, seen something like that with a band. It certainly sounds like an interesting take on a documentary, either way. Yeah. You can almost just have it on in the background. You're just kind of... Just hanging out with my friends, you know, the the, Beatles. The Beatles are just hanging out over there on (laughs) on, on my laptop while I'm doing stuff. You know? (laughs) Yeah, um... Uh, g- give it to me and I'll I'll dress it up to look like a Zoom call. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, has anything else impinged upon your consciousness since we last spoke? Uh, do I want to bring up anything else? Nah, nothing else. Nothing else. That's about mm. it, really. Yeah. Oh, about the same. Oh, um, I, I hurt my lip yesterday. That's, uh, that's how did you that hurt your lip? Uh, I can't tell you because it's embarrassing, but I accidentally pulled all the skin off it. Well, this is great. So, <laughs> so we just got a kind of gross, painful image <laughs> and no context. Thanks for that. Thanks for that contribution to the podcast. Oh, uh, look! Look, it's my podcast. I can talk about my own stupidity as much or as little as I choose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Um well, okay, that's that brings that section swiftly to a close. Um now we're going to do introduce the concept but fast. <laughs> I shouldn't just read my notes aloud really. I should uh, you know, just use yeah, them as you, notes, which is you, what they're supposed to be. You can just do it. So this is a podcast um about watching the movie Alien in little tiny chunks and talking about it. If this is the first episode you're listening to, go back to episode 1 and start there because it is a sequential podcast. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have these bells. Ding, 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 ding. ding. And um, we ring the bells at seemingly random times, but almost never. If you'd like to know the full rules, uh, so would we. Um, <laughs> Here, we're, we're explaining it that loosely now, are we? Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. Well, I, I mean, like I say, well, you know, it's it's. We're almost we're almost at the point in the podcast where you're allowed to bring in your own toys. You know what I mean? Um, this is how cults get started. <laughs> uh, don't I've always wanted a cult that worships me as a living god. <laughs> Listeners, if you'd like to, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, maybe in the final episode. Um, <laughs> um. Uh, oh boy. Okay, so we move swiftly, uh, swiftly-ish, swiftly-esque into a section of the podcast called "Let's Not Talk About the Thing for Historic Reasons." <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So during this section, you are going to talk about a topic that is tangentially related to the film that we're looking at, Alien, uh, yeah. but not about the eight minutes we're about to discuss so what do you have for us this week i'm going to talk to you about director of photography derek van lint tell me who is he and how do you spell him Uh, um (laughs) i'm not spelling it for you uh derek van lint was a british canadian cinematographer and director of television commercials and films he's best known as the cinematographer for the 1979 film Alien, which earned him a Best Cinematography Award nomination from the British Society of Cinematographers. Mm. He mostly worked on television commercials throughout his career, only serving as director of photography on four films, Alien, Dragon Slayer, X-Men, and The Spreading Ground. I know two of those. Um, is it Alien and X-Men? Yes. Okay. 
On Alien, Derek Van Lint worked closely with Scott to help construct the look and style of the film, using in-camera lighting and working in conjunction with the art department to construct sets and lighting specifically to achieve Scott's intended imagery, uh, especially in visual effect shots utilizing scale models composited into rendered backgrounds. I think we spoke about that a bit before with some of the um, mm. some of the insert shots. Scott asked him to be the director of photography for Blade Runner, but he declined. Throughout his career, he worked on advertisements for companies such as Guinness, British Airways, Chevrolet, Coca-Cola, General Motors, Kellogg's, Levi's, Maxwell House, Pepsi, and Visa. It's a comprehensive list. Yeah. It's interesting to think about director of photography for commercials because, you know, you don't really think they need it, do you? It's just like, oh, it's just like a little 30-second thing, but it's like a film. You know, you've got to get all the shots right. You've got to do everything correctly you've got to have everyone in the right places all that kind of stuff you need a director you need a director of photography i mean they've become increasingly elaborate I yeah suppose. and i guess that's all i have to say about derek van lint that's van lint v-a-n-l-i-n-t oh thank you yeah you can spell your own derek <laughs> <laughs> i already did actually in my head <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, it's time for the aliens. Um, but first of all, let's go through your question and answers from last time. Proceed. Yeah. Who's infected? You said, the little shuttle is infected with an alien. I think that's true. I, I, I agree, you may have one point. <laughs> um, what happens next? Uh, we'll think all is okay, but then the alien is on the ship, and she will confront it. <laughs> confront it makes it sound a little bit more like it's an intervention than. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like we've got we've got you here to talk about all these humans you're killing. Yeah, your behaviour has become a problem. <laughs> it's unacceptable to us. Uh, you may only talk if you have the talking pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and who dies next? The alien. I think all that is true. He's sticking by that? Yeah, I would say you receive three whole points for those answers. Oh, yeah. Delightful. Yeah. And and with that, it's time for us to start observing the show. So now we'll be covering one hour and 44 minutes to one hour and 52 minutes of Alien. Uh, as always, not a watch-along podcast, so, you know, stop it. Please, please don't do it. Um, yeah. You're you're only hurting yourself. It's your own time now, etc., etc. Um, uh, I'm going to read these things off my list, and if we want to talk about them, we will. And if we don't want to talk about them, we won't. Um, and if we don't want to talk about them, that will make the podcast unusually short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we well, usually I mean, have uh, something to say. Uh, there are a few things to talk about, but also a lot of slow shots of people looking scared. So we'll see. Yeah, a lot, a lot of this sequence is Ripley. It's just shots of Ripley doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Ripley, laying back in her chair, whispers, I got you, you son of a bitch. Prematurely. <laughs> Spoilers. Um... She sits quietly for a few moments before lifting Jonesy from his box. 
So soft lilting music starts here, which is sort of bringing a sense of relief. It's like, you know, oh, movie's over. Like, you know, we're going to play you the relaxing theme and then then you're okay to leave the cinema. It's certainly less tense than the music that we've had up until this point, uh, I, I would say. She cuddles him and whispers, it's all right, and starts flipping switches. It isn't all right. Stop it, stop it, it's all right. It, the, the, you know, the, the happy music is playing, everyone can relax now. The cryopod opens, and after a few more cuddles, she places him inside and closes the lid. She opens a locker and finds a sealed set of clothes. She starts to change into them, stripping to her underwear. Which makes sense in context of the plot, I, I suppose. And yet, you sort of feel like it's just so that we can do the next bit. Yeah, um, my note here says I think we need to talk about Ripley's pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's another aspect of the sexuality in the movie. Uh, Ridley wanted her to be more exposed here, um, to place her in seemingly even more peril. Um, Sigourney Weaver said she found the stripping provocative, but not exploitative. When asked about it, she said, after five days of blood and guts and fear and sweat and urine, do you think that Ripley wouldn't take off her clothes? And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. She, she literally thinks she's killed the alien. Um, Time and at the start of the movie, you see them in the cryopod and they're wearing their little pants. So, you know, yeah, why not? Yeah, it makes sense. And I get the imagery and everything. I just don't know that I need the alien to be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can sort of see what Ridley Scott wants as well because it, uh, the aspect of you know being more nude makes you um, um, be more in peril. And I, I can take you through a personal experience of mine where I had to um, where I had to kill a wasp completely in the nude. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> and it, it certainly felt a lot more perilous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and can also, I, can, can I and also, and also pendulous, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Can I digress? At, you want to you want to digress about naked wasp fights? Sure, go ahead. About wasp fights, anyway. <laughs> um, I was at my parents' uh, the other week, and um, you know when you just when there's a noise in the world and you're asleep and you're just waking up and you can't figure out what the noise is and it's kind of entering your dream a little bit and yeah. Uh, well, I I woke up to what in my head was like the sound of like a buzzsaw uh, <laughs> just going over again. Um, what it actually was, was a wasp trapped <laughs> against uh, b- between the window blind and, uh, and the window. And I just slowly became aware of this. And I do not like wasps at all. <laughs> I am I'm very antsy around them. Uh, and uh, as soon as I realized what it was I was actually hearing, I, uh, I, I and this was about 7 a.m., I kind of left the room. I fled the room. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I can, I can deal with this. I'll just, we'll, we'll close the door. And once <laughs> everyone's awake, I'll get someone to look at the wasp situation because <laughs> it was a big one as well. It, mm. like, I got a look at it, uh, and it was large. <laughs> I almost <laughs> thought it was a hornet, but it wasn't. Um, uh, and then, 
about 20 minutes into me trying to fall asleep on the sofa, mm-hmm. um, I started hearing this weird kind of rustling sort of sound right. coming from the other side of the room. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, what's going mm-hmm. on now? And then I started looking over to the shelf and there was this kind of just weird crackling sound and then lights flashing on the shelf. Right. I was like, okay, what's going on? Is like the electricity in the house going <laughs> wrong now? What, what the fuck is happening? What, I, so I was like, okay, well, I can't sleep with all of this going on. Mm. Um, and I can't go back to my room because of the fucking wasp. And, and does this story does this story end with you falling asleep in a bathtub? <laughs> no, I went and, and woke up my mum and say, "Look, I'm really sorry to wake you up, but a there's a wasp in my room, <laughs> and, and b downstairs there's something paranormal going on, I guess." <laughs> and <laughs> and could you maybe just have a look? Um, so I can have somewhere to sleep. Um, and, uh, well, she came down and says, and we realized what was happening <laughs> is that the radiators all throughout the house were coming online and right. making a really weird noise that I can't <laughs> even describe while doing it. So that was the noise. <laughs> and the the flashing lights were behind one of the shiny flower pots that were was on the shelf was this just like I think it was like a carbon monoxide alarm or something <laughs> that occasionally flashes. And so combined they were making the effect of like a haunted shelf. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh god, I, I, I hate that when, when you're sleepy and yeah. like something weird is happening and you're like you know you knew if your rational brain was a hundred percent online it would be like this is this it's fine and but you you're tired and you're like uh i'm, I'm being haunted <laughs> <laughs> that was it it was so so weird anyway um sorry i was just reminded of that when you mentioned your naked wasp <laughs> i had to bring it up oh god um <laughs> Oh boy! Well, like getting back to the podcast, um, you know, uh, um, Ridley Scott says he did it for you know to heighten the peril in the sequence. Sigourney Weaver said she found it provocative but not exploitative. However, the the shoot was actually held up for several hours because Ridley Scott didn't like the first pair of knickers that the costume department came back with, saying that they looked like diapers. And he went to costume himself and returned with the smallest pair he could find. They are quite small. <laughs> they are time. they are the tiniest panties. Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe there's an in-universe explanation for it. Maybe, you know, you need the tiniest pants on when you get in the cryo-sleep chamber. Yeah. Oh, they um they they parody this um this sequence in a, in American in an American Dad episode where they're in space and um everyone even the male characters are wearing these tiny panties to go into the cryo sleep. I mean, they don't look <laughs> uncomfortable. They just look small. Why would you? <laughs> why would you wear that? Too? She's got like a busy day, you know. Of, um, warrant officering. Yeah. <laughs> did Did we ever get to the bottom of what that was? I think we did. 
I think so, yeah. <laughs> Bossing everyone around, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Christ alive. <laughs> she moves around the cabin, flipping switches. She leans in close to some pipework to flip more switches. And the alien's hand snaps out towards her. Uh, surprise. Oh, shit, Peter. The alien is still alive. And now in a much smaller space. Yeah. This is somewhat foreshadowed, actually, by the fact that um, the door to the shuttle is open when she returns. Mm. Yeah. But you Did don't really notice, notice that because it's all yeah. screaming and clattering. I meant to mention it last time in the podcast. And I forgot. So fuck you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only one man. I can remember so many things. Uh, I've got one job. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, This whole final scene was described by Ridley Scott as the fourth act of the movie, which he said would change the way films are made. And um, he was right, really, wasn't he? Uh, Films prior to this didn't have a big last act scare, but it's uh, very common now. Mm. Mm, Lots of horror films do this. In fact, to the point where if they don't, it's kind of more surprising <laughs> yeah no uh, that, that that's a good point I hadn't thought of it in that way the killer is always coming back Ripley runs with a scream across the room to hide in the clothes locker fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very sensible reaction she peers out of the window to see the alien squirming gently in the wall amongst the pipes hmm uh, originally, the alien was supposed to have just been hiding in the locker here, but on developing the idea further, they thought the alien would camouflage itself by hiding amongst the pipes. So they changed a wall of the shuttle set to accommodate it. Yeah, it it's never quite been clear to me what the alien is doing in this scene, because it's so dark and, uh, and, and weirdly lit that it, it wasn't... It, it was never quite clear to me that it had kind of hidden itself amid mm. the pipes and is very slowly working its its way uh, free. I, I so I, I was never quite sure why it didn't just rush her. Mm. And we'll talk about that shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wait, bait. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> uh. Edit changing the shuttle set to accommodate this took longer than they thought because at first they wanted the alien kind of curled up like head to tail like in the original Giga painting Mm. uh, Necronom 4 which inspired it but they thought it would probably hurt the suit performers if they had to be curled up for so long while they were filming Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, my knees get bad (laughs) if I need to lean down for any length of time nowadays (laughs) Uh, eventually they just laid the alien down sideways and built up pipes around him. Uh, it took about a week to get it right because they kept doing practice shots where the alien was clearly visible. Hmm. Uh, and in the last one they were inspecting it and they were thinking, yeah, yeah the, I think we finally got this right. Let's go get Balahi in here and see how he looks. Uh, and it turned out that he was already in the wall right next to them and they both jumped a mile. <laughs> 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 so they were like, oh yes, this is the one. Let's go. Let's go with this one. <laughs> Yeah. Good. The alien drags its slimy hands back up against it as Ripley watches and starts to pull itself free. It took about 15 takes to film him emerging from the wall where he didn't rip the tail or the backpiping off the suit. I mean, 
I don't even know whether that would have mattered because I can't see a thing <laughs> in this suit. <laughs> oh, you've got to think about somebody upscaling it into 4K in the future, though. Yeah. I always thought that maybe this this is still a point for later, but I always thought it was moving really slow because I maybe it had been hurt in the explosion and mm-hmm. uh, and and blasted towards the shuttle or something like that, and and uh, uh, and it was in some kind of self preservation mode or something, and that's why it was taken so long to to get its act together but i don't know well you see um the alien is supposed to be dying here um mm. it's completed its life cycle because it's you know emerged it's cocooned a bunch of people to spread as like to create new eggs and now it's dying which is why it's so sedentary during this whole end sequence right that's the original intent i mean i i don't know if it's clear it just seems like uh it just seems a bit sleepy (laughs) maybe it does it does seem that it's got it's got no hustle at this point yeah it's like you know given all the shit it's been doing so far it's kind of a bit like oh whatever (laughs) yeah Ripley starts slowly and carefully climbing into her spacesuit, and honestly, the crotch-high angled upwards camera here seems fairly exploitative, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, people's mileage will vary. I I don't need all this. As she dresses, we see the alien slowly extend and retract its inner jaw. feels like another of those sexual allegory things um but i don't want to talk about it (laughs) and actually effects wise i didn't find this so convincing (laughs) personally Uh, that like up close that inner jaw like moving slowly looks very boxy and proppy to me (laughs) looks a bit like it's a stapler that's just been covered in slime (laughs) the teeth look look like they're just a mechanism if only they'd um if only they'd thought to use a stapler and cover it in slime they could probably have made the film a lot cheaper could have saved a lot you've i mean obviously you've seen people have made aliens with staplers like <laughs> haven't they yeah. it's it's quite good it's quite quite a famous gif with the yeah. uh, of the alien 3 <laughs> with yeah. the stapler um Listeners, Google Alien 3 stapler gif because I can't embed a gif into an audio stream. <laughs> but this uh, actually does look a bit like a stapler <laughs> when you look at it. Uh, Ripley clicks the spacesuit helmet into place. Um, I, say I, quite, I quite like the nice sort of fresco-like designs on the helmets. They've got this sort of intricate carving all around them, which... Um, must purely be decorative, uh, but it's nice that it's there. In hindsight, Ripley picked the right hiding place. You want the spacesuit locker? <laughs> yeah, it's. For, I mean, it's. What would it have been if the alien was in here? Uh-huh. Mm. If they, if they couldn't have got the um, the alien in the pipe shot working, the two places they were planning to have it was like be lurking in the closet or dangling from the ceiling but they really didn't want to do dangling from the ceiling because they'd already done that one. Well, they'd, do, they'd kind of done it twice because yeah. uh, there's the uh, face hugger as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, by the end of the movie, everyone would definitely have learned to look upwards. 
Yeah. She takes a small grappling gun off the wall and loads it. Why is this here? <laughs> Presumably, yeah. if you're drifting away in space, you might need to grapple your way back onto the ship. Well, why is this here might be a little bit of a theme in this episode coming up. <laughs> um, there's, another, <laughs> there's another emergency helmet in here as well. Oh, yeah. Like we discussed earlier, the uh, that flying helmet um, with the the mouth hatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she watches the alien, still sedentary, and steps out of the locker. In the spacesuit, she sits at the control panel and starts gently singing, You Are My Lucky Star. Tell me a little bit about this song, You Are My Lucky Star. I was not really familiar with it. Yeah, she's singing You Are My Lucky Star from the musical Singing in the Rain. The song was Sigourney Weaver's idea, uh, and Ridley Scott mentions that they kind of got in hot water with the studio because it was quite expensive to license the song. <laughs> mm. Even though she just sings one one or two lines from it over and over. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess if film music, they, they tend to be tough on licensing. <laughs> Ripley is uh, Sigourney Weaver said Ripley's using the song just as something to focus on to take her mind off the impending terror. Yeah, she's concentrating on it so she doesn't think about what a terrible situation she's in. Makes sense to me. She straps herself in, never taking her eyes off the alien. She opens a control panel labeled. Special gases. <laughs> so, what is this thing here? I've got to give another shout out to Typeset in the future here because they got a good screen sh- a screen grab of these special gases, um, and they include iodine pentafluoride, mm-hmm. isobutane, methyl chloride, nitrosyl chloride, methyl bromide, isobutylene, and phosphine. <laughs> And you gotta wonder why this is a feature of the shuttle. Yeah, what what possible situation would you want to fill any <laughs> fill the room you're breathing with with any of these gases? Because um, mm, it's not like she's uh, like hacking it or like <laughs> uh, slashing some pipes or something before this happens. It's just buttons. It's just it's buttons. Just, uh, just buttons. Just. Oh yeah, just the poison gas button, please. <laughs> imagine, imagine if there was a button on your car's like AC control panel that filled it with nitrosyl chloride. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of those things where you just have to accept it. Yeah, the, there's there's a perfectly valid use for these buttons that we're just not aware of. It's for when well, Peter. Peter, it's because space weevils are very common in the future. Mm. And the only thing, weevils are all different, as we all know. And the only thing that kills some of them is iodine pentafluoride, isobutane for the others. Yeah, it's a complex decontamination routine <laughs> that you have to do on the um, uh, on the ship. Yeah, that, that's that's good enough. See, <laughs> it's like I've said before: all, all all plot holes can be resolved if you if you just give them a if you just explain them away with any old bullshit. It's fine. Wait, wait a minute! Did you just say all plot holes can be explained if you explain them? 
No, they can be explained (laughs) if you just think for a minute and make something up. There are very few plot holes that genuinely wreck a plot. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm inclined to agree with you there. Uh, My favourite of the special gases is phosphine, which is a respiratory poison which causes nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea, thirst, chest tightness, difficulty breathing, muscle pain, chills, stupor, and fluid in the lungs. Mm. <laughs> on a button, you might accidentally lean on, on the shuttle's control panel. <laughs> yeah, you really want to have... I feel like that box wants a key. We're, we're, giving her, we're giving her a lot of stick here, but like the special gases panel only appears after you press another button, which cl- gets out of the like it, they're hidden until you yeah. press another button, and then they scroll, they like sort of slide into view. So yeah, uh, uh, pl- you could explain the plot hole. I d- I just love the fact that you can just fill the shuttle with terrible gases at a moment's notice for no readily apparent reason. Yeah, <laughs> there isn't isn't even like an oxygen button or. <laughs> <laughs> she starts pressing buttons which spray the gases into the cabin one hits the alien which starts screeching and writhing um, for the record that's nitrosyl chloride <laughs> that it doesn't like mm. still singing you are my lucky star Ripley watches the alien writhe free of the wall she looks away from it to the control panel terrified she's waiting for a countdown to complete as she looks back, it's inches from her, reaching for her and extending its inner jaw slowly. She screams and hits the button to open the airlock. All the air in the shuttle flies out through the open door, bringing papers and cargo crates along with it. The alien is dragged out into the airlock door, but manages to grab hold on either side. Gasp! It's still there. It's really fucking tenacious, this thing. Yeah. Well, at least it's trying now. <laughs> Uh, it's like when you you know when you've reluctantly gotten out of bed you're like oh, all right fine i'll kill you <laughs> yeah i mean it's at the end of its life cycle as you were saying so it it, it could just go yeah fair enough let's just get this over with out the I, was, I was happy to die but you sprayed me with nitrosyl chloride <laughs> now i'm angry that was just rude that was rude and by the way why does your ship even have that? <laughs> uh Ripley shoots it in the chest with a grappling gun and it flies out of the airlock backwards. Uh, Ridley Scott describes how he wanted to make this whole final scene look like Ripley in her white spacesuit is taking the role of a knight versus a futuristic dragon. I don't know whether that's achieved, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think they did this shot? Uh, Which shot in particular? Uh, The alien flying backwards out of the airlock. Um... There's something that looked a bit weird about it to me, but I don't yeah. know how um, they would have done that. Uh, they rotated the camera 90 degrees. The uh, the rear of the shuttle is actually suspended 20 feet above the ground, um, and they just drop a st- drop the alien stunt performer um, out on a cord. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that 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 tracks. Yeah. He uh, he hit Ridley Scott and hurt him quite badly. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Oh dear. The gun jerks from her hands and is caught at the bottom of the airlock door as it closes. Now, um, there's a really interesting thing. Well, I say really interesting. There's the thing from Aliens where um, 
to show you the attention to detail they did, in the first scene in Aliens, a, a machine cuts open the airlock door of the shuttle that Ripley's in. Mm-hmm. And the little gun is still at the bottom. They, they, they made a specific point to make sure it was included. Nice. Yeah, that, that's good. I like that stuff. The alien drifts around on the grappling cord until it's pulled back against the ship. It hooks its tail into one of the engine housings. Um, what actually happens is its tail is dragged up into one of them on a bit of fishing wire, but um, you can't tell. It's <laughs> <laughs> it looks fine. And, uh, and that very dramatically brings us to the end of eight minutes. We, well, well, uh, well. We thought about including the next four and a half minutes, which are um, two minutes of movie and three minutes of credits, but, uh, but we get another episode, a presumably much shorter episode. Um, yeah, that, that seems likely. There's not going to be too much to discuss <laughs> in the next one, I think, but I think you have, you, you got something. Yeah, there's a, cup, there's a couple of things we need to talk about as the movie ends. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was good. That was good. I I enjoyed that section immensely. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice tense bit for the ending. I think. Yeah, I like it. Now, do I ask you these three questions? Who's infected, Peter? Well, no. can it still be said that the chip is infected? I think <laughs> yes, until this situation is fully resolved. Okay, I'm going to say still the shuttle. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, all right. You, you've you've got to predict what happened. I, I want accuracy, right? You got two minutes of film left. What happens next? I want I want everything you can remember. Every little de- juicy detail. My feeling is that there's some sort of scramble because the alien is going to try and get back on the ship, and it's all going to hinge around that grapple. Uh, gun and that what she needs to do is release the um the grapple from the gun mechanism in some way or cut it or uh, i'm not exactly sure what happens sorry but but um the door needs to become fully closed and Mm -hmm. uh, and the the grapple mechanism needs to be disengaged so that the alien can fly off into space i had an image of the alien uh coming back and still being attached to the side of the ship but i feel like i might be getting confused with a scene from aliens perhaps indeed who mm. can know but so I'm, I'm gonna say no the next thing to happen is going to be a kerfuffle around the grapple gun that that being released or cut loose somehow and right. then the alien floating off into space with no way to get back on the ship and that being the the final resolution and then what's going to happen is that ripley is going to get into the pod uh with jonesy and they're going to have a lovely sleep all right i have logged that on the scroll of ages um or in notepad um <laughs> Who dies next, Peter? Are you, are you still sticking with it being the alien? 
I'm going to go with the alien. Who knows right. whether the alien is capable of surviving in the depth of space? Maybe it is. I mean, um, it, still, it still seems quite frisky at the moment. Yeah, but it's only just gone into space. Uh, so, you know, maybe it doesn't die. Maybe it just kind of goes into space hibernation forever. Hmm. So we, we don't know for sure, but I'm going to say effectively, because it can't do anything out in space, the alien dies next. Uh, it would be a good uh, a good alien sequel. You know, you're just a ship minding its own business and then there's like a clonk on the windscreen and you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Encounters the same alien from the first film and it comes out of hibernation. That's... <laughs> That that that's a pretty good one. Uh, we should we should pitch that. Don't 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 speak too loudly, Ridley Scott will hear you. Yeah. Uh, an, another question which may have little relevance now, Peter. You're 120 seconds from the end of the movie. Are you still enjoying it? I am still enjoying <laughs> it, and you know what? I like this little tense bit of ending uh, a little bit more than I have enjoyed the last. Uh, however long hour or so of uh, yeah. uh, of action I, I like this ending it, it is it is a fine ending to a film and i i think he he is quite right in saying that this whole fourth act thing revolutionized at least horror movies at this point because hmm. none of them did it before and all of them did it after so <laughs> and alien was just the first yeah Oh, right. you know what? Um, sorry, um, this might not make it in, but I, I, I've, I've just thought of another way to use the alien is actually in hibernation thing. What mm. if the alien gets picked up by other aliens? Oh and, shit! Like the whole film is like you would not believe the day I have just. <laughs> oh, oh, you! I thought I thought you meant like a different alien race, not not other aliens from aliens. Is like. Yeah. Oh fucking hell, guys! Like all I did was just like you know, and there were just all these weird fucking mammals everywhere. Gross. Yeah. So I was trying oh. to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> then I uh, then I made plans with this cat. Yeah. <laughs> you- so anyway, yeah, I've been floating in. Uh, around in space for the last yeah two thousand years <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Do you remember um, earlier when when Ash died and we talked about um, in in some of the draft of the script he sort of strongly implies he's made contact with the alien and had a chat with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Christ alone. Well, it's a weird place to take it, and they they do go in some directions like these in the comics. Um, so the Alien series had hundreds of comics made for it by a company called Dark Horse Productions, and um, like one of the funnier ones um, is one where um, it, it starts with this person talking about uh, you know predators versus prey over like shots of face hugger eggs. Mm. And um, at the end, you basically see a giant alien hand scooping up the face hugger egg, squeezing the face hugger out, and frying it in a really big frying pan. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're terrifying to us, but maybe you know there are bigger fish out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And with that, I guess it's time to bring this podcast to a conclusion. So let's wrap up with the usual wrapping up things. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any questions or comments, or if you can sum up the plot of all of the Halo games in 50 words or less, email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. And if they'd like to contact you directly, how can they do that? Uh, they can hunt me for sports on Twitter, where I am known as Kieran J. Walsh. And if you want to talk at me, you can go to Kestrel Pie on Twitter and other things. That's Kestrel like the bird and Pie like the irrational number. I um, I took I took some garbage to a local recycling point this morning. And oh, we're on, digressing at this late stage, are we? And uh, uh, on the way, on the way, it's not a digression. It's a it's a topical interlude. Okay, please. And and on the way. Sitting on a road sign, I thought I saw a kestrel. Ah. Um, but it was a crow. Well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought if it was a kestrel, I was like, I could have taken a picture for you because mm. that's your name. But it wasn't. It was. It was just a, a large, different bird. Yeah. I was like, probably, probably quite unlikely to see an endangered, <laughs> endangered yeah. bird in in in, in a East London. What this um, boils down to is that you saw a bird in London. I saw I saw a bird this morning. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Don't don't. <laughs> That's how we're ending this, are we? <laughs> oh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>